Hey, I want to draw your attention to a, a quick passage of scripture in the book of Psalm chapter 107. We find this passage that many of you may be familiar with. It's verse two. It reads this way. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. We're in a series that we're calling Servants and Sons. The whole idea behind this series is as a believer, if you are born again, if you are a believer in Jesus, then there are two roles that we fill as believers. First of all, we are servants. We are servants of God, but we are also sons of God. And so in this series, we're going to be looking at these two roles. This morning, we're going to be dealing specifically with the role of a servant. What does it mean to be a servant of God? In this passage we read a minute ago, often speakers like me will use that verse to get a little interaction from the crowd. When we're feeling like you're falling asleep, we'll say, let the redeemed of the Lord say, all right? So half of you woke up when I set you up for that. Let's get the other half of you engaged. Ready? Let the redeemed of the Lord say, okay. Now, the real spirit behind this passage is this, that if we are truly redeemed, if we are the redeemed of the Lord, first of all, we need to acknowledge it. We need to understand that we've been redeemed. And secondly, we need to appreciate the fact that we've been redeemed. So in other words, the real spirit behind it is like, come on, if you've been redeemed, say so. If you've been redeemed, acknowledge it. And so when we think of this, you know, I think of redemption, redemption or redeemed is one of my favorite words in all of Christendom because of some personal study I've done. And I, I love the concept of redemption. It's so powerful. Many of us know it as just kind of a church word, but if you ever really dive in and understand what redemption means, redemption actually means to purchase something back that has been lost. And so God lost relationship with humanity through the sin of Adam and Eve, but he redeemed it through Jesus. And here's the trick, though. Redemption comes at a high price. Redemption costs Jesus his life. So the fact that I'm redeemed, I ought to not approach that casually, but I approach it with the idea that my redemption cost my Savior a high price. And from that position, I love that posture of heart, that my redemption, it cost Jesus something. And, and, and I love that, that posture of heart. I want, I want the body of Christ to have that posture of heart. Not the idea that, you know, I guess I'll go to church or I guess I'll do these Christian things. When you do that, you so miss, so miss the weight that is put on the act of redemption that purchased your freedom, that purchased your salvation. Jesus has paid a high price for us. We ought to be grateful for that and understand it. God the Father, he understood the cost of redemption. And, and because he paid the price, he sent his son for our redemption, he has a correct picture in his mind of the relationship, at least the beginning of the relationship between you and I. And we can find this in the book of Leviticus, the 25th chapter, the 55th verse says this, for the people of Israel belong to me. They are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So the idea is this. I've paid a great price for your redemption. Therefore, and this sounds haughty of God, but please go with me. He deserves it. 
Because he said, I have paid the price for your freedom. So I am the Lord, your God. Your position is you're my servant. That's how God sees it. And that's how you and I should see it. We can see that the writers of the New Testament understood this. Paul, Peter, James, even Jude, when they began, uh, as they were introducing themselves in, as they were writing their epistles, each one of them referred to themselves as a servant of Jesus. The understanding that some, a great price has been paid for me, so therefore I am a servant. They all understood this. Paul even went further than that. He called himself a bondservant and eventually even a prisoner. This idea that I've been purchased, something's happened for me, and my response is I am now a servant of God. When we look in the book of Romans, the 12th chapter, there's, this, there's a passage of scripture that, that we refer to often here in our church because one of our core values is the value of worship, but we say worship is not limited to the singing of songs. Worship goes beyond that, and we look to Romans 12, 1 to find out what what the true definition of worship is, and here's how it reads. This is Paul writing to the Romans, and this is Jody speaking to the Cajuns. And so, dear brothers and sisters, listen to this language, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you, let them, them being our, our lives, our bodies, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he, God, will find acceptable. This is truly the way we worship him. So overall, here's what I'm saying to you. When we understand that we've been redeemed and we're not flippant or casual about it because we understand that the, our redemption came at a very high price that Jesus has paid. And because he has been so gracious, because he has been so kind, the correct response is to say, God, you've been so good to me in view of your mercies. My only response is, Lord, take my life. I'm a servant. I'm here to serve you. Can I tell you, church, that has to be our initial, our initial approach to Jesus needs to come in that way in a spirit of humility and repentance and coming to him and saying, you've been so good, you've been so kind, how can I not serve you? Is there anyone in the house this morning who understands what's been done for you and is ready and then in response to turn around and say, I'm yours, God. I'm not my own, I've been bought with a price. This is to be the posture of our hearts when we're talking in this series about servants and sons. When we look at the prodigal son, which is kind of the baseline text for this series, what we see is when the prodigal came home and received the goodness of the father, he said this, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just let me be a servant. And that's how each one of us need to approach Jesus. When we come to God, we come in that spirit with the idea that, Lord, because of your kindness, I'll gladly serve you. But then when, once we come in that correct posture of heart, we then have to answer the question, what does it look like to serve God? If we are truly a servant of God on a practical level, what does serving God look like? And this is what I want to talk about this morning. In the book of Matthew, the 22nd chapter, we find that Jesus is ministering, and we know that all around the region he had been ministering, and, and his influence had been, had been rising in the culture, and people were interested. I mean, he was doing some pretty cool miracles. 
He was worth hanging out with just to see one of those, right? And so people thought a lot of Jesus, everybody that is except the religious hierarchy of the day. The Sadducees and Pharisees weren't so excited about Jesus because the things he was saying was threatening their position in society. And so often these Pharisees would follow Jesus around and they would ask him questions in public hoping that his answer would somehow be a stumbling point where he would lose influence with the people. And so in this one particular occasion, Matthew chapter 22, we find that the Pharisees were trying to trip Jesus up and they said, you know, there's one of us here among us that if anybody could trip, trip Jesus up, it would be this guy because he's a lawyer. Like, and any lawyers in the house, like... Surely this guy can trip Jesus up. So they send this one of them from, from among them. He was a lawyer. And he goes to Jesus and he says, okay, Jesus, so what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus answered that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And the lawyer said, oh, he answered right. I mean, he was upset. You know, you could tell he was like, oh, man, I was hoping to trip him up on this. But then Jesus continued to speak, and he said this. He said, um, and the second commandment is like the first. It's this, that you're to love your neighbor as yourself. And then he went on to say that all of the law and all of the prophets hang on these two commands. Love God, love others. In this instance, we see that loving God will always equate to loving others. And our topic today is serving. So here's the answer to my question. How do we serve God? We serve God by serving others. It's the heart of God. When we turn to God and say, Lord, I love you. I want to serve you. He's like, thank you. Go help somebody. Let me give you some examples of this to make sure that it's biblical. Remember, we said that in the story of the prodigal son, we all know this story. But the son had repented from his riotous lifestyle and he had returned home in really bad shape and he came to the father said listen I've sinned against you and I'm not worthy to be called your son I'll just be a servant and then we know that what happened after that is the son ended up with a robe on a ring on and shoes on his feet but here's what I did not notice until a couple of weeks ago is that the father himself did not put the robe or the ring or the shoes on the son. Here's what happened. The son repents. The father then turns to the other servants in the house, and he says, go get the robe and put it on him. Go get the ring and put it on him. Go get the shoes and put it on him. He called for the other servants in the house. See, this was a moment of restoration between a father and a son, but the father got the other servants in on the deal. He says, you have a part in this. I want to bring restoration to my son, so you help me. See, God wants to partner with us, the servants of God, to bring to, to bring restoration between him and his children, but he's caused, uh, called us to have a part in the deal. When, I, when, I, when I'm here and I show up at church in the morning and I see a prodigal work, walk through the doors, 
Listen, I can go into judgment. I can, oh, what is she doing here? Listen, we, all, we can all go there, but how about this? How about saying, I'm a servant of God, and when the prodigal walks in the door, I'm going to be there with a robe. I'm going to be there with a ring. I'm going to be there with shoes. I'm going to help this person reconnect with God. That's what God's called us to do. Remember when one of Jesus' good friends, Lazarus, died? Remember that story? And Jesus went to go resurrect Lazarus. He gets to the tomb And here's Jesus standing there, and then Lazarus is dead and in the tomb, and there's a, you can just sense that this is a ministry opportunity. Like Jesus is going to do something for Lazarus. But you know what the issue was? There was an obstacle in the way. Because there was a big stone that had been rolled in front of the grave. So here's Jesus. He wants to minister to Lazarus, but there's an obstacle in the way. So you know what Jesus did? He turned to the servants and said, roll the stone away. And the servants are actually the one that moved the obstacle so that Jesus could have his ministry moment with Lazarus. Somebody say amen if you're following me. You see that? Now I want to make a a leap here and, and, and you tell me afterwards if this works or not. But I was thinking about how this applies to us here today. And this is what came to mind. You know, we have people that pull in our driveway here at Victory, and you find a parking spot. And you get out of your car, and you start making your way to this building. Because this building represents a ministry moment between Jesus and the person approaching the building. But you know what? There's an obstacle in the way. You know what the obstacle is? A door. So God called a Dean Hansen and a Michael Corville who opened doors. What are they doing? They're removing an obstacle so that the ministry moment can happen. And then let's say that person makes it in the building, but boy, it's been a rough morning. Barely got out of bed, managed to make it here, looking pretty good. They're not fully awake yet, and they stumble in and All of a sudden, there's a potential obstacle for them receiving ministry. It's called fatigue. Thank God there are men and women in the coffee shop who have brewed a hot, fresh pot of community, dark-roasted, caffeine-injected liquid. What are they doing? Let me tell you you what they're doing. They're serving God. How are they serving God? Because they're serving others. And they're removing obstacles. Some of you came in here with children, like infants today. And if you have an infant, there's a potential distraction. But instead of having to bring that child in here where it could be an obstacle between you receiving ministry on the east wing of our building, Miss Heather Brown and her entire team have dedicated their complete Sunday morning to do what? Remove the obstacle that, that may have been in your, in your path. They are back there serving God by serving you so that you can come in here without obstacle and have a ministry moment with Jesus. It's happening. That's what I'm telling you. This is what it looks like. You know, before most of you even got out of bed this morning, our sound techs were here. You You know why we have sound guys here? It's to remove the obstacle 
of not being able to hear and sometimes remove the obstacle of being able to hear too much. And God bless the sound guys in the body of Christ. Can I just hear an amen for the sound guys in the body of Christ? Come on, nobody gets more, more daggers thrown at them. We don't even talk about the sound guy unless something goes wrong. When they do their job well, nobody even notices them. But boy, let it be too loud. The hackles are up, you know. Right? God bless you, sound techs. What are they doing? They're removing obstacles. Um, you know, when you come in here, some people aren't used to this type of church, and we've got things like we've got lighting, and guess what? We even have haze. And some people are like, this is not a rock show. What in the world are they doing with them? You know what? There are men and women who are on computers and levers and switches, and I don't know what all they're doing back there. But you know what? They're choosing the light color that would be pleasing to your senses. Why? To remove an obstacle so that you can have your ministry moment with Jesus. Even the haze. They're serving God by serving you, getting obstacles out the way right? You see that? So Jesus called on those around him. He did what only he could do. Only he could bring Lazarus from death to life. But he, he called the servants in the room to get engaged. So they roll the stone back. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead into the story, right? No. Because Jesus hollers into this tomb, Lazarus, come forth. Now, I wasn't there, but I would have loved to have been there, first of all, to see a dead guy rise. But secondly, what happened after that? Because you remember that at that time, when people died, they would wrap them in grave clothes. And the only thing, the only where my imagination goes is to the mummy. So Lazarus is now alive. Jesus says, come forth. The only thing I can picture is the mummy. There he is. He's alive. But guess what? He's still bound. And what does Jesus say to those around? Let him loose. Get him free of the things that are binding him. And I tell you, church, if you're the redeemed of the Lord, if you've got a heart to serve him, part of our job is to help people get free. It's to help people get free, and that's messy. It's challenging. But you know, the Bible speaks to us older men Go reach down to the younger men and help them. Bible says to the older ladies, I don't know when, I know we don't have any old ladies in this house. We have some older ladies, right? And God calls you and He says this please go spend time, go spend time with the younger woman. Why? Help them get free or help them avoid bondage. If you're the redeemed of the Lord, God has commissioned you to go help somebody else get free. And you know, I see so often in the body of Christ, in this American culture, we, we have that idea of retirement, like, well, I'm, I'm retired now. I don't do that. Guess what? You don't retire from the kingdom of God. Our founding pastor, my dad, probably does more in the way of serving God by serving others today than when he was actually working full-time. He's still in the business. And just let me tell you, you're in the business too, or you should be. Each one of us are called. So we see that in the instance of Lazarus. Remember that Peter 
had denied Christ before his crucifixion. Peter denied Christ how many times? Three times we see that he had denied him. And then later after Jesus resurrected from the dead, he meets back up with Peter. And again, you can tell a redemption moment's coming, a, a reconciliation moment is coming. And Jesus says to Peter, he says, do you love me? Peter says, yes, I love you. What was Jesus' response to that? He said, feed my sheep. You love me, feed people. Jesus then asked him again, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's frustration level was probably rising. He's like, come on, Jesus. You know I love you. Jesus once again said, feed my sheep a third time. Peter, do you love me? Jesus says, feed my sheep. Here's what I get from all this, church. Listen, if we are the redeemed of the Lord, we understand how merciful he's been, he's been toward us, then our heart needs to be to serve him in response to his goodness. And the way we serve God is by serving others. We're there for the prodigals to help restore their relationship with the Father. We're there with the Lazarus to help them get free of their junk. And we're there as Peter was in the way of teaching and helping people have the spiritual nourishment they need to grow in their spiritual life. God has called each one of us to serve him by serving others. It's a blanket call for everyone here. I don't care who you are, what your situation is. That's what God has called you to do. But it goes beyond that. Because even though there's a general call to all of us, there are unique giftings and callings in each one of us. See, God has created you as an individual with specific giftings. In fact, the word tells us in 1 Peter 4 verse 10, says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them to serve one another. So, the specific way that God gifted you, those giftings should be used in service to God through serving others. We serve in the church. There's great opportunity to serve in the church. Right now, I have a gifting, may not be the greatest at it, but um, I have a gifting of teaching, and so I am serving you now using the gift of teaching. I have some wisdom in helping marriages, so I serve couples by helping them with their marriage issues. That's me using my gifts to serve in the church. But there's some of you here, you have the gift of, gift of hospitality. You know, if you come see me, I'm probably going to offer you a bottle of warm water, like lukewarm bottle of water, or I'll point you toward the coffee pot, but that's as, about as far as my hospitality gifts go. If Laurie's in the room, she's going to go get you a bottle of water that's already going to be chilled. She's going to have a paper towel wrapped around it, and she's going to set it on a coaster in front of you. And if you look like you want to make coffee or you want coffee, she's going to ask you what you take in it. She has a different gifting than me. You see that? We have people who are gifted in, in, the, in the loving on children. And so, again, we have uh, the orchard in there, and we have Kidmo, and we have people who are gifted in ministering. to. They're using their giftings to serve God by serving others. And I want to tell you, turn to your neighbor and say, you're gifted. Don't say you're special. Just say you're gifted. There's something God has put on the inside of you. What is that gift? You know, we saw on full display here this morning people who were gifted in vocals, gifted in, in musicianship. We have people in 
gifted in, um, in, in making, working with the production stuff so that our online viewers have a good experience. We have people who are gifted in those areas, and they're using their giftings to serve God by serving others. And can I tell you, there's some vacancies. We need help in these. If someone other than your mother says you're gifted in singing, we may want to look at you. We just need, Bible said two or three witnesses have to be involved in a decision. All right? So just because your mom thinks you can sing doesn't mean you need a microphone. But don't let me, my saying that offend you and run you off from possibly serving. You know, if you're a vocalist and you want to serve with your gifting, come talk to Jade. If you're a musician or whatever it is, whatever you do, we are to serve God with our giftings. And in the church is a great place to do that. We have lots of teams in here. If, if, if you are, um, I, was, I was actually the other night uh, turned on, it was the beginning of American Sniper. I was gearing up for the men's equip class, you know, just watching American Sniper there at the beginning. And the little discussion there about, you know, the dad's talking about a sheepdog, you know, what the sheepdogs are. I just want you to know there are, there are people in this room who are gifted to be sheepdogs. And you don't know who they are, but if you're a wolf, you will find out the sheepdogs in the room, right? They're gifted to protect, and maybe that's your gifting. And we have teams you could serve with like that, right? So there's places in the church to serve according to your giftings. But it goes beyond that. People who have this concept that I'm going to use my giftings to serve in the body as a whole. We as a church have benefited from this in the last few months. We have somebody in our church who is gifted in in dealing with teams, helping teams be healthy and equipped to succeed. And so this person used their, their giftings to come meet with our staff, with our church team. And this person sowed their giftings into our ministry. And our staff today is better because that person used their gifting to bless us. It's a beautiful thing. There were some things with the business of church that we needed to deal with. And there was three individuals I went to who I saw that they were gifted in business. And we brought those three in and kind of presented some business stuff before them. And they used their business giftings to give us counsel and advice. And the church today is better because that person used their giftings. Are you following me? The idea is that God, is a, God has gifted you. And he's given you those gifts as a way to serve him by serving others. We can serve in the church. We can serve in the body of Christ at large. And we can serve in the marketplace. You know, there are those of you who are gifted to serve in the marketplace. Um, you know, somebody with an evangelistic gifting. The church drives evangelists crazy. Because the evangelistic gifting, they're like, why are we in this building? We need to be out there where the sinners are. And they're mad at all of us because we're in here and we're not out there with them, right? But I just want to say to the evangelist, hey, hey, brother, listen, go get them. And when you get them, handcuff them, bring them here, drop them off. We'll take them from here. We'll disciple them. And then you go get some more. Right? You just bring Lazarus here, bound up like he is. You bring him to... Bring him to new life. So I'm speaking metaphorically. Is that what you're addressing? Please don't bind anybody up. No handcuffs, right? But we go 
the evangelists, you go and, and you bring them back to life, but they still got their grave clothes on, so you come to the church, and guess what the church does? Not Jody. It's not just my job. But Lazarus in his grave clothes sits next to Miss Dot Vice, and Miss Dot Vice says, I got some work to do. There's an opportunity for me to help somebody get free because you see, I've lived long enough. I've weathered a few storms. I've been through some challenges. I know how to do this thing. I know who God is. I know what the word says. I know how to pray. And she gets busy, and she's next thing you know, another Lazarus is set free because Miss Dot Vice just did what God called her to do. And the evangelist is out there bringing in the next one. Right? You see how that works? And so we, we have everybody, even in the marketplaces, there are, are ways to serve. We have people who are in, in the prisons, you know, who are out doing, doing prison ministry. I'll tell you what, I think prison ministry is one of the most beautiful ministry opportunities there is. You have literally a captive audience. They're not serving in the church because they're serving in the prisons. Hey, it don't matter. Just serve God. Just serve God by serving others. We have people at, at organizations like Care Help who are serving people in need. And like Ms. Paula Taylor and her team at SC3 and Ms. Cindy Morio and Guiding Light Ministries and Ms. Beth Munch and Almost Home Ministries. They're just out there. What are they doing? They're serving their king. They understand that God has been gracious to them and their response is, Lord, you've been so good to me. How can I not serve you? And God says, if you want to serve me, serve others. We're both servants and we're sons. Next week, we'll talk about sons and what it means. But our first role with God is we come as a servant. So we finish here this morning. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And as we stand, I know that usually means, okay, we're getting ready to, we're getting ready to go, so let's start packing our stuff. Can you just put that off for a minute or two? And here's what I want you to do. We're going we're gonna to finish our time here together by praying. And I want to pray for three things specifically. First, I want to pray that God would begin to reveal in each one of us the cost of redemption. That we would have more of an understanding of what Jesus has done for us. The cost of the cross. Secondly, I want us in response to that revelation to begin to take the posture in prayer saying, Lord, I'm your servant because you've been so good to me. And then thirdly, in prayer, what I want to do is God would show us the specific way that I am to engage in serving him by serving others. Lord, help me identify my giftings. Am I to serve in the church? Am I to serve the body in a larger picture? Or am I to serve in the marketplace? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because we're all different. If you need a starting place, the church is a great place, but some of you, you're not called to serve. You're not called to volunteer here at Victory. You're, you're to serve in the marketplace. I don't care as long as you're being fruitful. I don't care what you're doing, right? So let's bow our heads, and I want to kind of lead you in the praying of those three things. First of all, Lord, I ask that you would give us revelation. Holy Spirit, bring revelation to us about the cost of the cross and what Jesus has done for us, the high price that was paid. Holy Spirit, only you can bring that type of revelation. 
So show us what it costs, what our freedom, what our salvation cost. Secondly, Lord, I pray for a heart to serve. If you want this, would you just kind of respond in some way? Maybe that's laying your hand over your heart or lifting your hands or, well, I don't know what it is. It doesn't matter. Just say, Lord, I want to know what it means to serve you. Give me the heart of a servant. I wouldn't be entitled, that I wouldn't be spoiled, that I wouldn't be distracted, that I, Lord, show me, create in me the heart to serve you. And then lastly, Lord, show me what that means for me specifically. Help me identify my giftings. How can I help? How, who can I serve? What are my opportunities? Now, Lord, as pastor of this church, as we, we've all have our heart postured in this way, Jesus, you're the head of the church. I believe you're doing a work in us across the board here. Create in us a heart to serve and then give us opportunity to serve you by serving others. It is truly my joy to serve you, Lord. It is truly my joy. I know how good you've been to me. I know from where you've brought me. It is my joy now to worship you, to serve you. We love you, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen.